Welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact of Education Leadership. This is episode 86. I'm your host, IDP for Isaiah Throne the Third. Tonight's panelists are Ms. Delna Bryan and Ms. Guadalupe Ramirez. Ms. Delna Bryan, please say hello to the people. Good evening, one and all. This is Delna Bryan in Dallas. And Ms. Guadalupe Ramirez, please say hello to the people. Good evening. Good evening, friends. Well, we're back again for the movement entitled Enough, We Are Tired, Part 3. How are we getting the students back on track after this pandemic while keeping them focused towards quality education? We do not need to attend any more funerals of a young person because of violence. An excellent test awaits our educators, keeping students off the streets and in their prospective classrooms. As school reopens, therapy, that's right, therapy, is a great place to begin. To begin working through trauma for our children and staff members. Cognitive Behavior Therapy, CPT for short. What is it? Well, it's techniques. Techniques that are effective in treating children and adolescents who have persistent trauma reactions. CPT has been demonstrated to reduce severe trauma reactions, such as PTSD other anxieties and depressive symptoms and behavior problems. Though scientists and researchers know and understand how we can use these tools to better manage those stressors that I just mentioned. Children in underprivileged demographics will most likely never receive, let me say it again, children in underprivileged Demographics will most likely never receive these benefits unless inclusive organizations step in to help facilitate these behaviors in our children and in those low SES communities. Now, these children are not only exposed to mental illness, but they're also privy to malnutrition, diseases, bad living conditions, inadequate sanitation, and many, many other hardships. Tonight, we are gonna have a tough talk, a tough conversation about why we say enough. We are tired. First, I want to pull from Ms. Delna Bryan. Again, this is your vision. Please tell us a little bit about you know, what you're doing currently. I, Delna Bryan, currently teach at an all-boys school, Young Men's Leadership Academy. It's a middle school in the Pleasant Grove area of Dallas. I'm their pre-AP teacher, Spanish pre-AP, Spanish 2, 
at that school. And I have a variety, a host of students, all made to educate, to inculcate something to them. Soy profesora en una escuela en el área de Pleasant Grove de varones, todos varones. Necesito educarlos. ¿Qué hacer cuando regresamos a la escuela? Sir? You know, thank you for speaking both in English and in Spanish. You know, you are a teacher, you've been teaching for almost three decades just in Dallas ISD alone. Uh, one of the largest school districts in the state of Texas. And we already know uh, there's nothing small about Texas. You know, teachers today, they are not only educators, but they're leaders. They are creative thinkers and super connectors and networkers. And they're also counselors. They're also mom and dad away from home. They're the second parents. Okay? And not only do they focus on education, but they also focus on positive youth development. Okay, What does that mean? That means they are responsible for influencing those factors that influence adolescents' outcomes. Okay, They are those key building blocks. So with that being said, because I'm talking about character, I'm talking about, uh, you know, uh, motivation, self-regulation, performance outcomes, and especially economically disadvantaged students moving forward as the schools have reopened, okay? Ms. Brian, my question to you tonight is, how can we reassure how can we reassure children and their parents? And how can we effectively communicate to them that they're coming back to a safe environment and that everything will be monitored and so that they will have a, a feeling of everything will be okay, everything will be positive, as schools are reopening at total capacity? That's my first question tonight. All our students are coming back to a safe environment. The important thing for them to understand when they get back we are going to have to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with them how to speak to adults respectfully, how to speak if there's a confrontation with officers in the street. Some parents already know how to have this talk with some but some do not. The first thing we have to teach them to do is to be polite and respectful if they're stopped.
They're not supposed to be the lawyers because some want to defend themselves on whatever you say. They're not the adult lawyers to defend themselves on anything. Remember, they want to get home safely. And this conversation starts in the classroom. They do not get into any kind of arguments at all. Some try to do it at school. We will politely educate them. It's safe here, and we want you to do the same on the streets. We want you to be safe. You're not going to be confrontational. You're not going to get into any arguments. Do not have any physical contacts with anyone. Some of us are ready to start a fight at school. Some of us are ready to start bullying each other. No. We have to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk about bullying. We have to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk about being confrontational. These are things that will have to be instilled in them every day. Do not get too excited or whatever defending yourself. Try to remain calm, and this is something we have to teach them, how to express themselves calmly and showing that they are in control. Your mother, and I was told that I was speaking to the mothers, I'm speaking to the grandmothers, I'm supposed to speak to the godmothers, the sisters, the aunts. We make up 166.7 million women, according to the census in the United States. We have 166.6 men to get in touch with after we have gotten to all the mothers, grandmothers, godmothers, aunts, sisters, to educate, help us as teachers educate this young person in the classroom. Another hymn came to me, and the hymn said that I'm on a battlefield. Yes, this is a battlefield. But we are supposed to be courageous and we are supposed to be in a strong mode as women. Me ha dicho que estamos en una batalla, una batalla para educar a nuestros hijos, cómo comportarse. Y eso empieza en el aula de clase. Tienen que ser respetuosos. A sus profesores también tienen que ser respetuosos, amables, corteses. Al adulto en la calle. Ellos no van a defenderse como si fueran abogados. Tenemos algunos que son muy bocones 
en la escuela. Deje todo eso que usted tiene que decir para otro día. Tú quieres llegar a su casa para poderlo explicar a sus padres. We are going to let them know they're safe in the school and we want this to transmit to the home, to the community in which they live. Thank you. You know, thank you for adding so much value to this podcast. You know, when you were speaking, I, I thought about the situation that young people are faced with. And I thought about this word that I like to use a lot called resiliency. What is resiliency? For me, resiliency is being bit. What I mean by being bit? If you are bit by a snake and this snake has venom in it, but it doesn't kill you, but you're bit by the snake and the venom doesn't kill you, that lets me know that you're gonna survive the bite of venom, but it's still gonna hurt. Situations hurt us, but if they don't kill us, it makes us stronger. Then I thought about leadership as you were speaking. What is leadership? To be a leader, you must first have a purpose. You must first have a sense of self-awareness, a sense of value, a sense of vision. Educators are going to have to rebrand who they are going forward. Okay, because a leader is someone that people trust to carry them from one place to another. So how can we trust leaders to take us from one place to another when there's so much uncertainty on what's ahead. So we need leaders to remain strong, to, re to remain purposeful, to remain self-aware of who they are and what values they stand for and to stay aligned with their vision. And, all, and the only way this is going to happen is if we start respecting one another. If we fail to respect one another, all it says is you don't respect yourself. So I really thank you for what you have brought to the podcast. Uh, yeah, let me go to the next panelist here. This is the first time here. I just want to welcome you here. I'm Guadalupe Ramirez. Please tell us, audience, a little bit about what you're doing currently, please. Thank you very much for um, giving me the privilege to participate in this um, in this endeavor. I am very nervous and I apologize. This is my first time ever participating in a podcast. I uh, admire Miss Brian. She has been uh, my friend and mentor for many years. And I have a different experience that, that hurts. I have been working for the district for about 20 years, but in the elementary school um, area. And what I hear you saying today about the self-awareness, this is one of the most recent um, programs or initiatives that the district had launched. But 
because we always have academics um, pressuring on what the students need to achieve, it is um, having some problems uh, being implemented and I think only taking time to reflect and become more aware of ourselves and our feelings is how students and adults are going to begin to um, interact with each other in a better way. Well, to me, you're doing a fantastic uh, job. <laughs> so, no, I, I I can't tell you nervous at all. But let me let me ask you a question. So, people who do not know you would like to know what you stand for and what purpose you support such a unique declaration like enough we are tired that's my question for you I, I believe and I stand for fairness and I think fairness can be achieved only through good quality education but education doesn't come only from the teacher education comes or grows from the interaction between the teacher and the student. And uh, I believe that as educators, we have the responsibility to stay informed and always abreast of the newest things and research to implement in our classrooms. But we have to think of our students in a um, holistic way. It is not only academics, it's also the emotional, the well-being of the child, and also the family. Without the community support, without, as Ms. Brian was saying, without the, the involvement of the family, being godmothers, mothers, aunts, anyone to raise a child, we need a community. It is not only my responsibility, my child, it is everyone's responsibility. People grow and flourish from the interaction with all the people they come across in their paths. I believe that everyone has the um, inherited right, inherited right to the best quality education that they can get. And it is our responsibility as adults to learn and prepare and deliver for them. Yo creo, y eso es lo que practico, que todos tienen, todos los, los niños, todos tienen derecho a la mejor calidad de educación que puedan tener, porque eso es lo que nos va a garantizar una buena vida una mejor existencia unos con otros y que esto solamente, no solamente se consigue de los maestros a los estudiantes esto se produce por el trabajo constante de los maestros con los estudiantes de los estudiantes con los maestros y con sus familias necesitamos la participación de todos tiene que ser algo 
que persiguen con propósito familias y todos los miembros de la comunidad, madres, hermanas, tías, madrinas, todo el mundo debe de participar. Los niños, la juventud, los educandos son responsabilidad de todos. Enough, we are tired. So we are going to start doing more. But it's us. We're not waiting for anyone to give us anything. We are going to work more. We're going to work harder. And that's how I think we get past all of our obstacles. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I want to thank you for your transparency. And I'm, I have to be, I'm going to be transparent too. I absolutely love Spanish. I, I love the, the language is so beautiful to me. It's the most beautiful language in the world. A lot of people think it's French, but for me it's Spanish. And, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to learn it one day. Uh, responsibility. With responsibility. Miss, Miss Bryant, talk a little bit about what she just said about that inherent right and those responsibilities. Why, how did you... How did you synthesize that? How, how did you chew on that? What's your thoughts about what you just heard Miss Guadalupe Ramirez say about those responsibilities and those inherent rights as Americans? What's your thoughts about that? As Guadalupe was speaking, and to synthesize what she said, I heard relationships. We have to have relationships with all our people. We have the inherent right to get a quality education. Every generation is supposed to be better than the previous. If you ask most of the parents who left loved ones in Mexico, or they left loved ones in Guatemala, they left loved ones in El Salvador, they left loved ones in Panama, they left loved ones in Honduras. They came here that their child can have the inherent right to a better education. But we then have to come together as a community and build on them getting this quality education to be the successful citizens that we need in this world. We don't need them leaving their blood on the streets in Dallas. We need them. It is their right to go on to be the future doctors, the future lawyers, the future professionals that we need here. Not only in Dallas, but in the entire United States, from north to south, from east to west. As Guadalupe was speaking, I also saw, and yes, the district has four core tenants 
We have to be focused. As teachers, we're going to be focused to transform our students' lives. But we cannot do it alone. No lo podemos hacer solitos. Basta ya. Estamos cansadas. Necesitamos unirnos con todos. Todas las madres, las comadres, las tías, para que nuestros hijos tengan éxito. We want our children to be successful. And we have to join hands to get them there. We can do better. Podemos hacer mejor. We're not looking for a handout. We're not begging for anything. We are just going to put our foot to the metal and get the work done. No estamos pidiendo limosna. No estamos pidiendo absolutamente nada. Somos personas orgullosas de donde somos y vamos a hacer el trabajo. We will get the job done. May I interrupt? Sorry. Go ahead. I... I think here, when we are going to do the, we're going to get the work done, it is all of us. Today, and, and, and this is just coming up to my mind, because today, in my last uh, student, in, in my last um, lesson that I was presenting, um, I saw this with, with the child and, and, and with the parent, because the child doesn't make progress, and I said, but you are not going to learn to ride a bicycle by watching somebody ride a bicycle. The teacher can come and bring everything we have for our students, but our students need to be engaged, need to come ready to learn and, and be willing to do what we ask them to do. And this is where I think the entire community need, needs to support us. The, the ones who want to learn, we want the better education for everyone, but the ones who are being educated also need to want that in war for it. Absolutely agree. No, no, absolutely agree. I, I want you, whoever wants to take this, I, I, I want you to talk about or to talk more about, I, I know you said we don't need handouts, but we do need, okay, <laughs> we do need help when, as it relates to mental illnesses in our communities. We're not asking for a handout, but we're asking for some facilitators to come in, especially to those underprivileged demographics, where in most cases, they're not receiving those types of benefits as it relates to mental, we'll say mental wellness. Who wants to take that? Well, I can uh, speak a little about that because um, of the way the trainings in the district have been going. Um, the teachers have been um, exposed in a general way. We have received some training regarding how to address the uh, social emotional learning. Um, how do we need to be aware of our students' state of mind and also some um, relaxation techniques 
to help students first to be aware of their, their feelings. And, and this is where, where it's, there is a big difference between, and, or maybe I, I believe, I, I, I may not be uh, in the correct um, sense because I have only worked with elementary school children. And I don't know how it looks in the middle schools, but in, in the lower grades, in kindergarten, I had worked with the students when they don't have words. They need to learn to identify first what they feel and then learn that they can do something about it. And it's something that as a teacher, we need to learn how to teach that. It is not the academics, it's something else. So that's why I was saying that it is a, a responsibility to learn and continue learning for different ways to help our students. But also the students need to um, follow some of the advice that we give. And I have seen very young children uh, practicing their uh, respiration because we have done that in the classroom. They go to that to uh, calm themselves when they're getting agitated. But first, they need to identify what emotions they're feeling. And that is difficult, even for adults. We know that something is not right, but we many times don't know what it is. That we're feeling tired, we're feeling sad, we are feeling angry, and we don't know why. So there, there is where um, we have been getting trainings, and the teachers have been trained on this. At the middle school and at the high school, it is the same thing. But we have okay. to be consistent. We have to be consistent across excuse, the board. Excuse me, ladies, ladies, excuse me. There is somebody with background noise is loud. I don't know who it is, oh. but it's background noise, real loud in the background. But okay, go ahead, please continue, Brian. I'm saying that we have to be consistent in teaching the kids, the students, what to do. We cannot have them do one thing one time and do something else another time. Some are taught to ask to leave the room because not all of them might get along with that particular teacher. I might need a few minutes away from that teacher that I am having a problem with. I need to go to my comfort zone, so I will go to my other teacher and just maybe sit there for a few minutes until I'm calmed down. Teachers are also taught to help other teachers. But again, is there a consistency with that? That's where we have to be consistent. That's where we have to be a little more flexible. We have to be more positive. Sir? I absolutely agree with that, Ms. Brian, uh, Delta Brian. I want someone to cover, no, let's do it like this. Someone share with me a personal story, a transparent personal story about violence and how it affected a child that you love or a student that you love. Who wants to go first? 
I'll go first. To this day, this is in my heart, it touches my heart. I was at a school where the young men, again, it was an all-boys school. The young men wore uniforms. And on this particular day, a young man in a uniform stepped to the door asking to see another one that was in the classroom. Unfortunately, that day in the classroom, the teacher was a substitute. We were taught to identify our students. They all wore a tie. Yes, this young man had on the right color uniform and the right color tie, but something was missing on the tie. All the young men had the emblem of the school embroidered on the tie. That was not on that young man's tie. The teacher allowed him to go out to see this other, thinking it was a friend. He shot him. The one that came to see him shot him. And it was just a matter of inches away from his heart. He would have been dead. And all this was over, a girlfriend. The one at our school had taken the girlfriend away from the one that came visiting to look for him. That's tragic, but that still sticks in my mind. We don't need that. We need to educate our students to stop the violence, put down the guns. And again, we need all. I was told to speak specifically to women. At first, I have to speak to the women. Then I'll bring the men in. Necesitamos educar a las madres, a las tías, a las abuelas, a las madrinas, a todas. Nuestros hijos deberían dejar la violencia. Después vendrán los padres para ayudarnos. But one thing that I um, witnessed, and this was with the kindergarten class. Um, in my school there was um, a shot. It was the middle of the day, it was recess time. We were all playing outside, and then there were, there were gunshots. And we had to rush inside the classroom, and we did the procedures and, and lock the doors. It wasn't locked down. But one of my students could not help himself. He was just terrified, and I didn't know why. Everybody was shaking, but one, one child, five years old, terrified and you can imagine what happened to the other 24 
um, everybody was very, very scared because we have we heard gunshots. I did not identify them then. I, I just didn't distinguish them. It was too much noise. I didn't notice, but they did, and it was very frightening for one of them. And later I heard that that was something frequent in his household and that his father was in jail because of that. So I didn't hear more about that. I didn't want to inquire, but that um, I saw the reaction of a child that was affected by violence and guns just from hearing something in the distance. And the, the incident was because there was a, a dog, a rabbit dog, in the vicinity, and it was the police shutting the dog. But we were in the, in the, in the playground. So the, there was no announcement for us, and, and it was very scary for my students to hear the gunshots. But fortunately, I have not lost anyone to violence yet, not that I'm aware of. But that's all I can share. And we thank God for that. You know, tonight's topic is enough. We are tired. And this is part three. And I, I want to pull on before we get out of here, because we're, we're out of time. But before we get out of here, I want to pull back on Ms. Delta Bryant. This is, this is your vision. This is, this is your vision. So with that being said, okay, because tonight we've had a, We've had a detailed conversation. We talked about mental wellness. We talked about uh, children in low SES communities. We talked about malnutrition, bad living conditions. But my question for you, Ms. Donna Bryant, what are the long-term effects What is the long-term effect that we can expect, you can expect, that will happen because of this movement that you have entitled enough? We are tired. That's my question for you. I see this enough. We're tired. Ya basta, estamos cansadas. I see us joining hands with the millions. I said earlier there were 166.7 million, according to the census, in the population, that's the women across the United States. And we are going to come together to pray, we're going to fast, we're going to write the appropriate person at the state or at the federal level or wherever, all these petitions to change policies to do what we are going to come together as one, different organizations different sororities, different fraternities later on, different churches, we're all going to come together and keep 
up the pressure to make the change. Vamos a unirnos. Largo, largo, largo tiempo. Vamos a empezar orando. Si vamos a orar, vamos a guardar ayuno. Vamos a estar escribiendo cartas al Estado, a los congresistas, al presidente de los Estados Unidos. Pero es largo el trecho que tenemos que hacer para hacer cambios. Y si somos 166.7 millones de mujeres, lo podemos hacer. We can do it. This is a can-do moment. Enough. We are tired. Ms. Brian, Ms. Guadalupe Ramirez, I want you to say three times. Three times in English and three times in Spanish. Enough, we are tired. Ready? Go. Basta ya, estamos cansadas. Basta ya, estamos cansadas. Estamos cansadas. Enough, we're tired. Enough, we're tired. This was another impact tonight of Impact Education Leadership. We're out of time. This is episode 86. Our panelists tonight were Miss Delna Bryan and Miss Guadalupe Ramirez. Good night.